0: Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello! We are back from our strike hiatus. Yay! We spent four months supporting the WGA and SAG-AFTRA with their fight against those darn studios who won't give them fair pay, but hopefully Mm -hmm. they will now. We're glad they got
1: most of everything they asked for.
0: Yeah, although SAG-AFTRA still has not actually signed the deal, they're still reading over and i think they still have to vote on it but at least they are they're off strike and back to work and so we are back too and
1: just in time because tomorrow is a very special day indeed
0: tomorrow is our one year birthday (laughs) happy birthday to us (laughs) happy birthday wormhole waffles i can't
1: chelsea texted me to say thursday november 16th is our one year anniversary and i was like no, it's not because like, I'm sitting there thinking we just started. Right? We're on season five. We didn't just start. I say we're on season five. We're recording season five. What you're about right. to hear after this is our recap. Seasons one through three Our like yes. little analysis, which is very appropriate for an anniversary episode yeah. Yeah.
0: and a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So
1: this is not going to be a once a year thing. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah, we kept recording during the strike. So now we have, I think, 17 episodes that are recorded already. (laughs) So we may occasionally release two per week instead of one per week to try to shorten that gap a little bit. Because, you know, we make references to Barbie and the uh, submarine imploding. (laughs) We talk about a lot of things that were topical to us recording which is going to sound very dated by the
1: time you hear it
0: <laughs> yeah. but it's fine we're back in action now we are so thrilled to be back with y'all and we look forward to another year together
1: yes
0: i think we at the outset estimated an
1: entire rewatch would be what four and a half years
0: yeah so the fact that we'll one see. of those years
1: is already gone is I know. wild It's wild
0: oh man yeah, and we you know we've already recorded the end of Stargate Infinity, end of an era, and I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about that, but <laughs> I kind of miss it. I miss yeah. that. I we're on
1: season five, like I um like yep. I mentioned, and still no Sam Jack. I'm very
0: upset <laughs> always.
1: I mean, I know this is just the intro and you're about to hear the episode proper, but yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, you There's know I had always- to bring it up there's always thirsting over jack you know I'm just a beautiful man <laughs> <laughs> yes. okay so without further ado here is our season one through three analysis recorded about five months ago <laughs> and thank you all for listening over the last yes. year and hopefully
1: yep. you'll stick with us for the next three and a half
0: yep thank you for your year. patience thank you for listening We love being here with you guys, and uh, we can't wait for more. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Hello. Last week, we wrapped up SG-1 season three, with the exception of the last episode, which we'll discuss in two weeks' time, along with the opener of season four. Today, we have a special analysis episode, and we'll be discussing the progression of character, story, and villain arcs from seasons one through three of Stargate SG-1. So first off, let's kind of briefly go over our general thoughts of season three. Arzu, what did you think of this season as a whole?
1: I thought this season was interesting. I thought it was a combo of, you know, our overarching plot. We got a lot of, um, I guess, concrete decisions made about the mm-hmm. larger arc, which came a lot sooner than I thought, given how long the show's run is. But then at the same time, like it had a lot of really good standalone moments. So it almost felt like two, <laughs> like two different shows sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I think they're they're in the flow now. We're in the flow of watching it, so yeah, I'm enjoying
0: it. Okay. Did you pick out a top three favorite episodes from the season?
1: I did, but they're not in any particular order.
0: That's fine. Mine aren't either. I'm just
1: going to go chronologically. Okay. So, point of view. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Point of view. Um, Forever (laughs) in a Day. Okay. That's surprising. And Pretense
0: pretense which one was that the Scara one. Oh, right, right, right. okay any yeah. honorable mentions ergo <laughs> yeah ergo was a lot of fun i'm surprised that forever in a day made your list
1: it's i thought about it and i'm like I, I like debated making that the honorable mention and putting ergo in my top three but then i was like what i like about forever in a day first of all is the structure of it wait uh-huh. am i thinking of the right episode that's the Charae episode. Yeah, I'm thinking of the right... For a second, like, I was having doubt Something like, I, For a second, I thought that was the name of the Jack lives in another, like, on another pub that's 100 days.
0: Yeah, that's different.
1: Yeah. So what I like about Forever in a Day is the structure. I think that whole, like, you were out for, like, 30 seconds. It's like, but I lived a whole lifetime. Like, right. that storytelling structure I always think is very cool. But then also... I didn't like it, and that I don't like the fact that Sheree is dead, and Daniel doesn't seem to care. But I yeah. do like how conclusive it was. Yeah, that it. it Daniel doesn't need closure because Daniel doesn't care, but I needed closure.
0: Right, he that. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense because it's kind of like this whole Sheree thing. <sighs> I feel like we need like hashtag justice for Sheree because they really should have done more with her character i think Mm -hmm. i agree i mean i guess if there were problems with the availability of the actress you know that's one thing but it was kind of like daniel was supposed to be searching for her and but then like she rarely ever came up and then you know when he did see her it felt kind of underwhelming like their reunion felt a little underwhelming to me very much so I think if they
1: were doing the show now and it wasn't like a 22 to 26 episode season and it was like, you know, condensed like 8 to 10 episodes on premium cable kind of thing. I think we would have seen a lot more cutting between SG-1 and whatever Sheree was up to. Right. But that wasn't the storytelling structure at the time. She was the fetch quest. She was the MacGuffin. But she wasn't much of a character on her own. Right. Which is a shame because I've always liked Sheree, so... Like, from the movie, obviously, because you all listening know that I didn't grow up with this show, but, like, watching the movie, I had always liked Shiree, so.
0: Yeah. That is an interesting take on, like, if this show was made now, maybe they would have a larger ensemble cast and show different points of view. Like, being able to show Shiree's point of view while she's off, trapped in the body of a gold, and being able to show Thor's point of view, maybe, you know, like being able to show different things like that. I think we would have spent a lot more time
1: with the gold if the show was made today. Like the, like the,
0: not the gold that the team interacts with, but like Apophis and them. Right. Like maybe meeting the system Lords a lot sooner and seeing them in like meetings on their own planets and stuff like that.
1: Not even that, just like having the exact same plot happen, but just having the gold, like Apophis and Sharae and stuff, having them be the B-plot. So whatever Sharae yeah. is up to, her trying to escape ca- ta- captivity or, right. you know, trying to communicate with SG-1, whatever would have been a B-plot. That's true.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: I could see that. If it was made today, I don't even think the
0: system lords would be that much of a thing i don't we know have the time I, could for see, it. I could see seeing little like snippets here and there maybe not of like long meetings necessarily but maybe even just two random golds meeting up for something and talking about what apophis is doing or you know
1: or i think our team would protected.
0: probably talk about them our team would yeah. talk about
1: this concept of the system lords and then in one finale we would finally like meet them all right but I think they'd be more of a concept than something we we actually meet on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. So yeah, maybe Sharae would get better treatment. And
1: (laughs) I mean, it's not a guarantee. It's still not perfect out here for women
0: in sci-fi, but. And point of view being on one of your favorites doesn't surprise me at all. That's the uh, alternate reality where Sam and Jack are together. (laughs) It, it, listen, that was some good food.
1: Yeah, that fueled me. There's, it's not, it's not that deep. <laughs> yeah.
0: What was the other one in your top three? I know Ergo was the honorable uh, mention. Uh, pretense. Pretense, right? With Scara. Yeah, that was really nice getting to see Skara again. And he's like freed by the end, and he gets to live his own
1: life, and that was so moving.
0: Yeah, I think that like we got resolution for both of those characters that are original to the movie, so it was really nice to see those stories get a like, payoff finally my my lovely uh siblings got closure yeah <laughs> and i'm happy for that <laughs> okay so for my top 3 i picked like all the fun ones
1: <laughs> good
0: so foothold where people are looking like other people <laughs> And yeah, you know,
1: I did really like Foothold. So that's valid.
0: uh, And Sam delivering that iconic line to Mayborn. And Ergo was another one. I feel like that was the funniest of the whole season, definitely. And then Crystal Skull, that one has been one of my favorites since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what exactly appealed to me as a child about that episode. I think. I mean, I think just in general, Daniel was my favorite character growing up because I and I like wanted to be an archaeologist because I wanted to be like Daniel Jackson. And so this episode was a little bit more of that vein, like Daniel centric kind of archaeology adjacent in terms of, you know, talking about his grandfather's dig in Belize and finding this artifact and, and that kind of stuff. It was a cool episode. Yeah. It was a very cool episode. Yeah. And then my honorable mention is point of view. <laughs> yes. Let's have a <laughs> <check>. <laughs> Oh, the best ship. <laughs> yeah. I want to open it up now to the entirety of seasons one through three. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with some stats. Okay. So for your Quote guesses You correctly guessed who was speaking four times, and you correctly guessed for season three, for season three, and correctly guessed the context three and a half times. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty almost exactly your same score for season one, and a little bit worse than season two. Season two, you did a little bit better. So I don't By know if end I am this to... thing, I'm gonna get it right every single time. Every single time, <laughs> yeah. And the one that that was a trick question, I gave you a point for. So. Yay! Yeah. Because I was. Right. <laughs> yeah, you are partially right, so I gave you. you played a point yourself on that one. <laughs> well, I just thought it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so, our character death tally, updated for seasons one through three, Jack died three times sam died twice daniel died five times and Tilt died four times so someone's yeah. got it in for daniel supposedly daniel has the most deaths for all of the seasons so we'll see they keep trying to get rid of him <laughs> sometimes you included yeah i would <laughs> And then, so for, like, references and running jokes, we had 12 Wizard of Oz references through these three seasons. And we've only just barely gotten started with the blue jello. We've only seen that once so far. I think it'll start to pop up a little bit more often going forward. I only saw the Big Grinch in one episode. Right, I remember. Yeah. So I don't know about that. It doesn't seem as common as I thought it was going to be. It could be that it's just, like, in the background and I haven't noticed it. And then I noticed a Peter DeLuise cameo in three of the episodes that he directed. He directed quite a few more than that, so it's possible that he's been in the background and I just haven't seen him. You know, because, like, we were talking about that uh, double story arc where they were on Sokar's planet, like, in Hell. And there were so many extras in the background, like dying in a corner, that, you know, (laughs) he could have been any one of those. But (laughs) But we don't know. Yeah, so I've only confirmed to see him three times, but it's possible he's been on there more. And then, (laughs) for your tally of how many episodes Daniel does not mention Shari in... (laughs) I only counted up through you know when we see her die obviously like she dies in episode 10 but in the nine episodes previous (laughs) she was not mentioned so in season three she was literally only (laughs) well I guess she was mentioned she was mentioned after she died because then the episode immediately following that when Daniel is flirting with somebody new then she's mentioned there but I didn't count for after
1: she died it's fine. We can just end that particular tally here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Daniel. We'll Shari remember you Tyler. fondly. <laughs> yeah. And bringing up the number of times that SG1 has saved the world to 3, it's been one per season. And then and actually the one if that trend holds. Right. And actually the one for this season, I counted it for the alternate dimension actually. Because they saved Is that the world. The point yeah. of view uh-huh okay yeah in point of view they saved the world in the other dimension <laughs> i feel like that still counts it's still saving earth yeah i'd say so yeah so one per season Yeah, we will see if it continues that way this seems like it makes sense from a storytelling perspective in that you yeah have i feel like, like more one than that big would be. saving thing
1: <laughs> yeah more than that would be a little silly
0: yeah
1: watch i say this in season four they saved the world like three times actually even if that's the case i stand by it it's silly
0: (laughs) well sometimes sci-fi is supposed to be silly so that's true Hmm. okay so i have a few questions for you what do you think of sg1 the show as a whole not just season three but you know how does it do in terms of establishing a premise and carrying it out
1: I think it does fairly well. I think I, I recognize the constraints of it being a 22 episode per season, not syndicated, but like proceed almost procedural sci-fi show. Yeah. Where the core premise is not something they can revisit every time. And, you know, I, that's the kind of TV I grew up with. And I've just gotten very used to, like, the shows where the premise kind of carries over. Mm-hmm episode to episode in a much shorter season so once i put that aside i think it carries out its premise well if you take the premise as not being we have to get apophis and we have to get sure because you know daniel doesn't think that's the premise why should i if you put that premise aside and it's just a team trying to stop aliens from taking over the world or whatever on that premise i think it delivers very well
0: yeah i see the premise more as being saving earth from the gold kind yeah. of, specifically, and then more generally saving the Earth from any, you know, alien yeah. threat.
1: And I then, like, it...
0: the, the secondary part of the premise being exploration.
1: Yeah. I think the establishment of, like, the world and how slowly they roll everything out mm-hmm. and add to the lore progressively, I think, works really well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I do think a lot of the names sound the same. <laughs> I have trouble understanding words if i can't see them
0: Mm.
1: and my dvds don't have subtitles right so a lot of times they'll act like a name is something i should remember and i just don't Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of it and a lot of it sounds the same okay so and it's it's not that i don't have the brain capacity for sci-fi diehard star wars fan i am i live in a trekkie household like i i can retain these things Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i just find sometimes the alien language to be inorganic yeah i can see that on this so she's like we have to stop chufla and i'm like (laughs) that's those are sounds your toddler made (laughs) like yes that's an alien now so that i think is my main struggle but so yeah, not I, the show.
0: I can see how it would be how it would be difficult creating a sci-fi or fantasy show where you need names and you don't want them to sound ordinary, but then coming up with realistic alien names that don't sound like earth names but also are not hard to use. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Being able to pronounce them easily, be able to say them quickly.
1: It's one of those things that I get why it happens. But maybe this is the linguist in me where I'm like, why do all the aliens from all of these very different systems have names that sort of sound like they belong to the same language? Yeah. (laughs)
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I should probably do some research into whether or not they had any sort of linguistics team whatsoever on the show i'm not sure how easy or difficult it would be to find that information like who came up with all of the jaffa names and i am skeptical i am skeptical because when we were watching crystal
1: skull and they're like this is a mayan phrase and then we looked it up and like no it wasn't it's not yeah
0: i feel like they clearly make stuff up that they need to be important like With Oma De Sala. It's like they needed a name. That's going to be important. And sound. Like it could be derivative. Of earth languages. But it doesn't always hit the mark. I guess. Or just in terms of. I don't know. Is it a form of deceiving your audience. When you're like. Oh this is a Mayan phrase. And it's not actually. I think so.
1: I think if. If it's a real language and you're like, this is a real language, and then you look up and like, no, it's not, that's deception. But yeah. if it's like, this is a gold phrase, like, sure, the gold aren't real, whatever you say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess in terms of, I'm thinking even like with Oma Dasala, he said that Dasala was a word for nature from an African tribal language. And it's like, well, there's a possibility that that's true. But given the searchability of languages on the internet now versus in, what, 2000 when this was made, if I search that word on the internet now and cannot find it in any African languages, it doesn't seem like it's very likely
1: to be true. Which also begs the question, how much do they think they could get away with purely because... The bulk of their audience didn't have a high-powered computer in their pocket
0: yeah that's fair i mean at the time how would you have been able to look that up exactly i mean if you you'd have to work for a, maybe a school with access to you know academic databases and yeah try- then, like this is what
1: 1999 like we had internet in 1999 but it was really rudimentary like
0: yeah there wasn't a lot of just stuff, like, on the internet that was searchable. A lot of information yeah. was, you know, in academic resources that you had to access with, you know, through a membership. Or so, yeah, via, they probably thought yeah. th- no, nobody's going
1: to know. So Yeah.
0: <laughs> Whereas today, they'd have to be a lot more careful because people will Google it and be like, hmm. You can't get away with that now. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's been a few things that we've looked it up and it's like the only search results is Stargate. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I made that Stargate up, okay. just making shit up. <laughs> yeah. Have you found anything in these seasons broadly hard to follow?
1: A lot of the overarching politics of the galaxy
0: mm-hmm.
1: I find hard to follow. And part of it is because I don't understand the alien language. And part of it, I think, is because the encounters with, like, I don't even think it's a system war. It's, like, the encounters with, like, the Asgard and the Tok'ra and, like, things like that are so spaced out Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that by the time we get there, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. But then at the same time, like, they're moving on the assumption that I remember this all very well and I don't. Right. Because, like, for those who don't know, who are listening, like... I work in media, so I consume a lot of media in between each recording. Yeah. There's only so much space in my brain. It's like, I don't remember this as clearly as I would
0: like to. But that would still be a valid point if you were watching this week to week when it was airing. Because if you are just watching week to week, then you have to remember something from the beginning of a season to the end of a season is, you know, over a span of 10 months. Mm-hmm, you, you have to true. be able to remember it for that long and then when a new season pops up you may be able to re-watch the old ones beforehand but not necessarily it may be that you know each season you're watching it new and not re-watching the old stuff and you've forgotten things along the way so i think it's natural to forget things in between seasons and that's a good point too we're watching these seasons
1: faster than they came out yes because Ne- never mind hiatus like putting hiatus aside we're watching two episodes a week whereas you would have had one yep. episode a week otherwise so yep
0: yeah yep and just watching the seasons you know back to back right we're not we don't not have taking, a like, summer three break months off yeah <laughs> not having a summer Great break thing. not having a Christmas break well I mean kind of yeah so I, I mean I think it is totally valid that it, it's not surprising that people would forget things from season to season. Right. But then again, I do feel like for the most part, they do an okay job of not taking things too quickly in terms of if we are revisiting a character we've seen before. I mean, it's it can not catch like... you up
1: fairly quickly.
0: Yeah. Because they, they usually have one of the characters do a two to three sentence recap of The last time we saw this important character kind of thing yeah but yeah i mean i think it's okay to forget details it's more just do you remember who apophis is and like the general beats of what has happened the various times we've seen him
1: yeah like the general beats i remember it's like the details and yeah i need to stop getting so down on myself because you did grow up with this Yes, and it's not your first time watching it, so you've got all this detail, and I'm like, "Uh, who are these people?" But
0: oh yeah, I I don't expect you to remember everything because yeah, I mean, I've seen this show. I don't know, but times, I probably you know, like to remember what
1: I expect me to remember,
0: but you've only seen it one time. Yeah, so <laughs> don't be too hard on yourself. Okay. So let's talk about our core team. Do you have a particular person you'd like to start with? I don't care. We can start wherever you like. Okay. let's start with team leader, Jack. He. Hot. Has. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very hot. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He's been through a lot. I feel like he has maybe the most character growth of the of the four main characters. Yeah. Kind of right off the bat is confronting the loss of his son Charlie. And we have quite a few episodes that deal I mean obviously the movie when we learn about it in the first place. And then with kind of getting kind of stand-in sons, not that they were replacements for Charlie, but characters who kind of fill that role a little bit so we have Skara who he kind of sees as a son and then the Ritu kid that named himself Charlie and then even Cassandra we, who mm-hmm. we know that he spends a lot of time with so different things that different people that he can kind of be a father figure to that, and then um, the girl with the kids who are brainwashing yeah
1: yeah uh. <laughs> The, don't remember what that was but
0: the smart kids one is that what you're talking about
1: the one with the where the kids have all the knowledge
0: and then yeah they're like i think that's learning curve out. yeah This learning curve i don't remember the character's name that doesn't matter
1: um jack is very much a father with no child <laughs> yeah like definitely he, this is a man in desperate need of being a dad
0: yeah he really i mean i mean it's a shame to have charlie die no matter whose father it is but i mean jack in particular seems like he really would have loved being a dad
1: yeah he is like you know he like he's interesting to compare in this regard with teal who's Mm -hmm. the other dad on the team yeah or the other parent on the team i should say like, Teal'c has very specific ideas of what it means to be a dad, but Teal'c is also yes. dealing with the fact that he's got a parasite that doesn't entirely <laughs> let him make all of his own choices. Like, he has free will, but he has to live a certain way because of this. Mm-hmm. So, against the odds, Teal'c is doing his best yeah, for his son. That doesn't always land, maybe, the way he wants it to. Yeah. But like teal does his best even if he can't always be present whereas like i feel like for jack this fatherhood thing this being a dad this having a kid to parent or needing a kid to parent and not having that is just always missing
0: right that is an interesting comparison in terms of like parenting styles though like the times that we do get to see jack act like a parent versus teal I mean, Teal'c obviously comes from a different culture, but it's like in his culture, it's kind of that, you know, patriarchal, misogynistic. You know, respect the woman your elders. Is, well, like the woman is the the emotional one and the caretaker, mm-hmm. and the father is the protector. And it kind of seems to me like he has a hard time being like emotionally connected to his son. Yeah, because he's not expected to be yeah
1: whereas i feel like we don't know this about jack because when we first meet jack in the movie his son is already dead but you know jack is like a military man middle america like definitely grew up a certain way Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and we can make one of two assumptions about him either he was very much like teal in the the mom is the emotional support parent and i am the provider parent and he just didn't have that emotional connection with his son until suddenly he couldn't. Right. And now he regrets not having that, which is why he forms these more emotional connections with the other kids that come in his life. Or alternatively, although maybe like less likely, is that he grew up in an environment like that where he didn't have an emotional connection with his own dad and consciously makes an effort to not do that with his son and then loses his son anyway.
0: mm. Like, that's the yeah. less
1: likely option.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of impossible to answer. We can't, we can't that, know. Yeah.
1: But just guessing based on what I know, like what I can glean from his I character. Mean,
0: that's a decent guess, especially in that since we know, obviously, that he's in the military, that he was probably gone most of the time. Yeah. And so he probably didn't actually spend that much time with his son to begin with
1: right and
0: when he was home he may have been emotionally distant because of PTSD and things like that you know just having a hard time at you know molding back into civilian life whenever he was on leave right so yeah and then with all of these other kids that he can kind of be a stand-in father for he doesn't have the responsibility of actually taking care of them day to day and so he maybe feels a bit more freedom to be emotionally vulnerable with them and be more of a caregiving father rather than like a protective provider kind of father yeah that's very possible i think What's unfortunate with Teal'c is that we just we also don't see enough interaction with him and his son. Because right now, we know that Dreyak and Ryak are in the Land of Light. And we know that Teal'c visits them because it's been mentioned once or twice. But we don't oh, know yeah. how often and we don't see it. So yeah, maybe if this was a show that's made today, we would actually get to see him interacting with his family. And get to see Ryak growing up a little bit more. And we're kind of robbed of that. So we're left to assume that Teal maybe isn't as great of a father figure, or at least in terms of like emotional availability, but that may not be the case. And we just don't see, it. you know, he may be super available emotionally for his son and we just don't see it because it's off screen. It's
1: something that I think we think a lot about, Because we're used to analyzing this side of media, like the what are characters' dynamics? What are the stories we don't see? What are we not hearing? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't think this is something, and I don't think you're suggesting this either, but I don't think this is something that a sci-fi procedural from the early 2000s was all that interested in answering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like a much newer idea. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I agree. But I guess... I'm kind of thinking in general because Teal'c as a person is very introverted. and doesn't really speak up very much. We don't get as much really screen time with him. Like hearing him talk about himself and his past and his experiences. We just generally of the four characters on the team, we know the least about Teal'c. I feel like we
1: only get information about Teal'c when it's a throwaway comment. Yeah. Or when it's, like, plot relevant.
0: Right. Yeah, so I think just in general, I guess part of wishing that we saw more time with him and Ryak is just wishing we had more time with Teal'c in general. Mm -hmm. Because he's so underutilized as a character. And it's like, well, is that because... Of his personality type, who's like the quiet, confident sort, or is it because of? I mean, I don't know. Is it like a little bit of latent like racism to like not have yeah. the black character be, you know, as present in the show? I mean, I mean we laugh,
1: but that's very possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly that I don't think that was the intention, but you know, this was made in the late nineties. What, what's and... the term? Unconscious bias? Yeah. Yeah. It's unconscious bias. Yeah. And as the seasons go on, we do slowly get to see more and more of Teal'c, but it's still, he's so reserved as a character. I feel like he needs more screen time, more time with his story to make up for it because we don't get as much talking out of him. Yeah. So, I agree. Let's see, going back to Jack. So we see a lot of growth with him in terms of connecting with children. I feel like we also see him confronting his past a fair Mm -hmm. amount, and so I think that allows for some good character growth. We kind of saw some of his past in episodes with Gamekeeper and A Matter of Time and kind of seeing how he interacts with other military that aren't in the SGC, which apparently isn't great, <laughs> he seems to like not get along with the people outside the SGC very well. He's just, listen, he doesn't know how to play nicely with others. Yeah, well, it's like he's picked out his friends, he has like 10 friend slots, and they're all full, <laughs> Funny. and everybody else he doesn't have time for. What another. Big thing for Jack is his friendship with Daniel.
1: Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> Just slipped out. Okay, Daniel Hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of discussion in the fandom about whether or not this show was meant to be a buddy show from the beginning versus a team show. Okay. Because Jack and Daniel are the main two characters from the movie right and you know because otherwise in the movie it's like there's sharae and skara who are like secondary characters a lot of the other original team members most of them were killed mm-hmm. their dad um, plays a big part in it Whose mm-hmm. name i'm forgetting kasuf yeah and so of the important people at the sgc they're kind of like the two holdovers from the movie into the show Mm -hmm. because otherwise we get like a new general is in charge of the sgc you know new scientists you know new background characters at the sgc and the friendship between jack and daniel is really important in the movie you know with Daniel recognizing Jack's you know pain over his lost son and everything like that and so carrying that into the show there's kind of an ongoing argument on whether or not it was meant the show itself was meant to continue that and be focusing on these two characters in particular versus a team show focusing on all four characters I guess I understand
1: why people would think that it should just be the two of them because that was the precedent set up by the movie. I don't understand from like a general media consumption point of view Mm -hmm. why that would be the assumption because if it's just focusing on two people, that really limits what you're able to do week to week Mm -hmm. because it's like one is in peril, one has to do something, the other is in peril, so the other has to do something. Whereas if you have a, an ensemble, you can you can play with the dynamics. You can change things around. Like I'm actively struggling to think of a show, especially from back then, that like only focuses on two people.
0: Right. And not to say you
1: can't have side characters, but like that only has two leads.
0: Yeah. Like I can't think of anything. Most shows focus on families, even when it comes yeah. to like other like sci-fi stuff. I think even like of Smallville, it has you know, a family plus a friend group, so that's definitely an ensemble cast. Star Trek is, is an entire crew Yep, on a ship.
1: Like, Law and Order mm-hmm. is two teams of people. It's the team of cops and the team mm-hmm. of lawyers. ER is an entire staff of doctors. It's like, it's more than two people so that you can change up the dynamic. Like, exactly. you can argue that one person is, like, the audience avatar or... Mm-hmm you know, like, the, the strongest point-of-view character. Like, I could make that case with ER. Like, Mark is the point-of-view character and Carter is the audience avatar in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then that changes. But there's still, like, 20 other people to bounce off of. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even things, like, with the central character, like Smallville, you know, Clark's central character, but it's still, like, a huge ensemble cast or, like... Mm-hmm um dark angel was another sci-fi at the time that has a central character but it's still an ensemble cast so i feel like the only things that are that focus only on two people would be movies because it's a much more limited focus because you only need to focus on
1: two people for 90 minutes not yeah you know 22 hours
0: yeah yeah so i i agree i don't think I don't know whether or not, I can't speak for the actual creators of the show, whether or not they originally intended it to be a buddy show. I don't think it comes across that way. And I don't think it works as only a buddy show. I mean, it is called SG-1, which means it's about all four team members. Yeah. And I certainly think that Jack and Daniel's friendship is one of the strongest growing relationships throughout the seasons but it's not Mm -hmm. like it's the only one no i think
1: it's it's one that maybe people place such importance on because it's the only one they could come into the show wanting to see yeah because it's the only one that was established prior to the events of the series
0: yeah but i even feel like if you had to pick one character that was the principal it would be jack because of the we series. Have, yeah, because we have pretty well established and growing relationships between Jack and Daniel, Jack and Teal, Jack and Sam, and not as much with other pairings. Like, I had a really hard time finding bonding moments between Daniel and Sam and Sam and Teal. Because it's like, it seems like most things kind of center around Jack's relationship with people. And Sam and Teal'c, in particular, kind of get left out of the loop on things. And so, I mean, there's like a brief Sam and Teal'c moment in Foothold, and, you know, a brief Daniel and Sam moment in like Forever in a Day. But for the most part, those two pairings don't get very much attention no they don't which is also something that i think can be grown in the future seasons which you know we'll see when we get there but i mean to me it's more like almost like jack is the main character and we're exploring his relationships with people and how much screen time the other people get is almost in relation to how relation to how important they are to jack I think it's interesting that Jack
1: is, as you say, like the principal of the show, because I would argue that Daniel's the main character of the movie, more than anybody else. Yeah. Because like we're like, I know Stargate SG-1 is basically Atlantis for grown-ups, but like we're introduced to the movie from his POV. It's his presentation. It's his yeah. failure. It's Catherine yes. coming to him bringing him into the team. He is our avatar. He is our point of view into this adventure. He's the one who has the romance. He's the one who kind of makes contact with, with everybody on Abydos. Like he's the main character of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So then I think it's funny that Jack is the main character of the show. If we had to pick a main character.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's kind of in terms of, you know, okay. Discovering, And using the Stargate for the first time is thanks to Daniel because he kind of like cracked the code and he was the first mediator between Mm -hmm. the people of Earth and an alien race. But when it comes to a weekly in and out exploration through the Stargate, the team is, you know, managed by the military And led by a military leader. And so I think. Because Jack is the leader of the team. He kind of more naturally takes on. The leader of the show as a whole. Even then. Like he's the leader of the team. Mm -hmm. And I would like
1: to think he's the focus of the show. Because I like him so much. But (laughs) I don't think the show works without everybody else. Like it is very much an ensemble piece. You have the military leader. Yeah, but it's meaningless without the like the alien insider and mm-hmm. the you know the nerd mm-hmm. and the token chick. <laughs> like, yeah, because Sam kind of fills a little bit of every role. She's got yeah. the il- alien She's got the book smarts, and she's got the military expertise. So she's like all yeah. three of them in one character. But it doesn't work without any of them. No,
0: you know I, I mean? agree. I think I think it's strongest as an ensemble cast. But judging by how much they flesh out different relationships throughout the seasons. It seems like the writers are leaning more towards it being a Jack centric show. Right. Because we don't get a lot of interaction between Daniel and Sam together and Sam and Tilk together. If it was a true ensemble, then we would, it would be more equally spread out with time spent with different pairs or trios or you know to build the relationships in different ways and we don't quite get that yeah so I guess what I'm saying is I think I think it is an ensemble show because it doesn't really make sense as a buddy type show but it could be a better ensemble show it could could be it could do a better job of fleshing out the characters with less screen time
1: so it could be a more ensembly ensemble.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. More or less. <laughs> and then as for like the Jack Daniel romance shippers, I personally don't see it, but I mean, I can see threads of where people get it from because there are Jack Daniel moments here and there that are really nice. I personally don't think they're romantic. But I don't have a problem with other people thinking they're romantic. I think that's perfectly fine. It's one of those things where I'm like, I see why you see it.
1: Yeah. Like you being the general shippers, I know you don't you don't see it. Yeah. I see why they see it. Yeah. I don't personally ship it.
0: Yeah. But you know. But every ship is valid. We don't hate on any ships here. No, we don't. We do not. Now, speaking of ships, um... (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you want to talk about ships, we're thinking about doing an After Dark episode, and then you can really go off our zoo. One day. I don't even
1: have that much to say, After Dark-wise, because (laughs) this show gives me nothing. It gives me crumbs off of which (laughs) I must feed. Like... I understand this is the nature of procedurals. I understand this is the nature of 90s and 2000s shows where it's will they, won't they for six or seven insufferable seasons. And then either it never happens and it's sustained through fanfic, which as a Raylo shipper, it did happen. It's important mm-hmm. clarification. But then like it ended poorly or it's like friends and Ross and Rachel do get together and I die mad about it. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's one or the other, so... Basically, I'm never happy, I think is what I'm trying to say.
0: (laughs) You're miserable in
1: love. Listen, Rachel and Joey forever, but that's a different show.
0: Um, (laughs) Mm, I don't know if I agree with Rachel and Joey, but I also don't like Rachel and Ross together. Rachel and Joey
1: because they make each other better. I know the writers chickened out of that entire subplot, but I'm like, they spent the entire time, they had a crush on the other one, trying to be like a better, more achieving person. They were more open they were happier they were trying new things and then rachel gave up a promotion and an opportunity to live in france for an incel who negs anyway um (laughs) i got off topic sam and jack (laughs) are the perfect couple he's not an incel who negs he supports her promotion he wants her to do well every Uh time he calls her major when he's angry i'm like oh no that's very sexy somewhere my therapist just sat up straight going my spidey senses are (laughs) tingling
0: well let's talk about sam okay so i feel like she has done a lot of battling to be respected as a woman and having sexist portrayals and i you would think it would get better but there were some episodes in season three too and i was like i was really hoping that we could leave that in season one (laughs) there was a lot in season one what what was that episode the infamous
1: one not concubines (laughs) (laughs) that's not what it's called
0: emancipation Emancipation. (laughs) concubines concubines (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was definitely the worst one. Oh man. There's several. And then like, cause I have like in season one, it's like episodes one, three, four, 18. <laughs> and then even in season two, there's a couple. And then in season three, there's a couple. <sighs> and it's just like, can we, can we get past this? Can we get past the sexism and the lack of respect like, I, I know like it's only 2,000 at this
1: point, but... It didn't occur to me till we had this conversation that I just don't think at this point the writers know what to do with Sam.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Because she
1: does... I love her. Uh-huh. I love the way Amanda Tapping plays her. I think there's a lot of layers there. But on paper, Sam is just a combination of the three guys in a woman's body. Yeah. E- each thing that they bring to the table, Sam also brings yeah and I hate to say it like the only other thing maybe she brings is like sexist of the writers but like she brings like a more empathetic touch because she's a
0: girl I think both she and Daniel bring the empathy in different ways Daniel's
1: also the one who's like that girl's getting like assaulted but like this might be their cultural practice let's just leave it (laughs) and Sam's like
0: or we don't do that
1: so.
0: I think yeah, I, it depends what it is. I think, but I think both of them are capable of being empathetic more than Jack and Teal'c. But yeah, yeah well, I it more does than the other two guys. But it does seem like Sam is kind of in there to round out the team, and because it's like Jack is the leader and military, and Daniel is like the smart slash empathetic one and then Teal'c is like giving us the enemy perspective and kind yeah. of that, that what they would probably call like a flair of the exotic you know <laughs> having somebody yeah. of color on the team and then Sam is kind of all through she's like military she's got the smarts and she's got the otherness of being a woman so yeah, yeah and having an alien
1: her yep. alien multivitamin
0: you're never gonna let that go are you
1: no (laughs) never ever
0: yeah yeah so and i think they really struggle with whether or not to give her a romantic story because they try it out several times even within these three seasons they have martouf and the Mm tokra and Nareem and the tolan and then Jack stuff, obviously, and then oh, that she was previously engaged to the Jonas guy, right? And so I, it kind of feels like they're testing the waters, like see what the chemistry read is like with Martouf, see what the chemistry read is like with Nareem, and I think even at this point they're kind of already acknowledging that jack and sam have really good chemistry probably mostly because of the actors the actors work really well together but at the same time this is a sci-fi show that's not supposed to be focusing on romance and so having two of your four main characters fall in love so early on could potentially cause plot problems and that maybe the romance becomes too important and like starts to overshadow the other stuff when this is inherently a sci-fi show about sci-fi stuff.
1: Not to make this about a different sci-fi show. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I have two points I want to make. So I'm going to make my, this comparison points and then I'm going to make my Mm standpoint. So not to make this about something else, but Star Trek, the next generation Um, for the, have you seen it? No. Okay. So there's two characters. There's Commander Riker and there's counselor Troy who, in the pilot, it is established that when he was posted on her home world when he was younger, the two of them had, like, something going on. And they had a fling. They had a love affair. Their careers got in the way. It ended. And now they're posted to the same ship. You establish that from the beginning. Inherently, there's this romantic tension throughout. Mm-hmm. And they both have relationships with other people, like short-term, long-term, whatever. They're just besties who will occasionally, you know dabble in this and you know they're not the only two on the ship that have romantic stuff going on but they're my favorite so that's why i pulled it out as an example but i don't think it's impossible for sci-fi to exist devoid of romance yeah i think like it can really inform things because you know like how do you react when you feel a certain way for a person in a very dangerous situation like it would it would change your reaction so i think that's i understand that they're not focusing on it because they're like that's not what the show is about but i think it could have been done Mm. especially because next generation for the most part predates this show i think they only overlap by like a season or two then the other point is i'm genuinely surprised they haven't pursued a romantic angle for sam because she's a girl
0: right Yeah. Well, I mean, but they have. They have pursued no, the it. One. Yeah, it just hasn't stuck.
1: That's what I mean. Like, I'm surprised there hasn't been a long-term romantic anything for Sam. And that, like, arguably, Daniel flirts a lot more with person of the week than Sam does.
0: Oh, yeah. I would definitely agree with that. He's definitely a flirtatious guy. But that's um, the other issue, too, is that the the premise of the
1: series kicks off with, like, one of the team members' wives goes missing. Right, they're like well anyway and then they go do something else Like, so it it almost seems less like it was a genre problem and more like these writers just don't know what to do with romance
0: yeah well I kind of see it as them trying out romance with a couple different characters and maybe waiting to see how it tests with audience members and when it doesn't test well then they just don't pursue it because we know that Mertouf and Nareem are both out there on their own planets doing stuff. If the writers wanted to, they could make them more important and yeah. you know, bring them in a lot more if they, if they really wanted to. But, you know, maybe they did some surveying and <laughs> figured out that audience members didn't really care that much about it. Or maybe they were aware of the problem of putting the only female character in a relationship and we're purposefully trying to keep her out of a long-term relationship, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I think in some ways she is handled well in that because at least so far, since she doesn't have a long-term relationship yet, she gets to focus on being more like science Sam. Right. Which is nice. Um, but then, at the same time, there's still plenty of sexist stuff that goes on. <laughs> so, yeah, it wouldn't be uh,
1: it wouldn't be sci-fi if it wasn't slightly problematic. Yeah,
0: and I feel like the different aspects of her being both military and an empathetic woman are kind of at odds sometimes because it seems like the writers can't decide whether or not to make her compassionate or like a badass who can defend herself yeah there's like (laughs) those two different parts that they like want to use both of and they don't always mesh well together
1: i feel like this women contain multitudes argument was one that obviously like i know i know there were people fighting that good fight from Mm -hmm. the beginning but I don't think it became so widespread accepted by people creating the shows until like very recently. Yeah, Like you don't have to be just a badass. yeah, Or just romantic. And I honestly blame Joss Whedon for a lot of this. But like yeah. faux feminist asshole. Yeah. But yeah. like this idea that you can either be one or the other but not both I think yeah. is, is what plagues Sam the most at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I think it will get better as the seasons go on. She kind of it strikes a better balance but it's like in these first few seasons it's like struggling between different stereotypes yeah so what season do you Sam and
1: Jack get together <laughs> I'm I gonna tell you I thought, I, I thought if I just slipped that in casually that you would <laughs> forget yourself and tell me no <laughs> worth a shot
0: <laughs> I'm not telling you nothing so with Daniel's character growth I feel like yeah he mostly just has his friendship with Jack there's a bit of friendship stuff with Teal'c mostly in terms of like Teal'c and Daniel being the only ones who can like read Gwold right, <laughs> and work on those kinds of projects together and have, like, more general knowledge about the Gould in order to solve problems together. I feel like the best moments between the two of them come, like, in Forever in a Day. When Teal'c is forced to kill Sharae and Daniel has to decide to forgive him. hmm And, yeah, things like, like Daniel that. Daniel cared. <laughs> okay, put aside your hatred for okay. a second. Okay. So I, I hope that gets developed more, because sometimes it seems like Daniel and Teal are kind of besties when they're bonding over Guald knowledge, and then sometimes they kind of seem at odds with their goals. So yeah. I hope that's explored more in the seasons to come.
1: You hope? I don't know?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm pretending like I don't know. <laughs> Because we're only talking about these seasons, so it's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to (laughs) come. Fine, 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 fine. And I feel like the problem with Daniel and Sam's friendship is that they are just assumed to be friends and that they get along because they're both academic types, but we don't actually see proof of them being close friends on screen. Yeah, we don't. Like, it's just kind but- of like an unspoken thing that, oh, they're probably friends because they're both smart. I'm like struggling to <laughs> think of moments where, you know,
1: where like like a standout. Like I can think of for any other combination. I can think of moments that they share that are like really special. But I'm struggling mm-hmm. with these two.
0: Literally, the only one I could think of was in Forever in a Day. Daniel says the only person that he's going to miss when he leaves the SGC is Sam.
1: I feel I'm like, like he was
0: saying that to mess with Jack. Yeah, they, I think so don't too. I think
1: that's true.
0: Yeah, and like, I, I was really struggling to find anything that's specifically the two of them. I mean, there was I the- not think of anything. There was the one scene in that Crystal Coffee episode what was the name of that episode that was really early on cold lazarus i think it was where there was those blue crystals and they like made a copy of jack they have a scene together where they're like talking to the crystals and trying to figure out what to do but that, i mean that's basically it that's like the only other thing and that's not really a bonding moment necessarily that's like five minutes of them figuring out this problem together yeah I don't even really remember this. That wasn't the
1: first. Like, I remember kind of objectively, but it doesn't stand out at all. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it was a very brief scene. And they briefly recruit Teal to blow up a crystal in the gate room, which we talked about more for its like humorous effect than anything else. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just like, I feel like the writers just think that we know they're friends because they're both smart but it's like two people aren't necessarily going to be besties just because they're both smart you know (laughs) you have to like actually give evidence of their friendship and we have just haven't really seen any evidence of their friendship other than the fact that they're friendly to each other in team moments that's that's the thing they are friendly
1: they are colleagues, but not a whole lot of time has been given over to developing this friendship.
0: Yeah. So, hopefully, that's also something that will progress going forward. Again, pretending like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Are there any villains you would like to discuss in particular? Would you like to? Do you have a favorite villain, a least favorite villain? This is going to come as a shock.
1: Uh For me, a renowned villain lover. But they don't really stick out to me. (laughs) The only one who stuck out was Seth because he had nice hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was like a, he had kind of a rock and roll look going on. I mean, Apophis stands out for me because he's like the main bad guy. And also, he has the best outfits.
1: Oh, well, okay. He stands out in that I remember like best who he is. Yeah. Just in terms of, like, characterization. He's just kind of there. Yeah. Inconveniencing. Yeah. Hurting I mean, Skara. Right. And Sharae. i going to fight him. It's on sight.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, honestly, at this point, we just haven't met very many villains yet. It's pretty much only been the Gwold, and even then, not very many of them. Because, like, obviously, like, Ra was only in the movie. Hathor we only saw in... Three episodes total and you know she died so we're not gonna have more with her her were was like very like tangential in two different episodes sokar also was a very brief you know mentioning and like he was only there like on screen in two episodes seth was one and done <laughs> well here's my <laughs> question are there going to be more memorable villains yeah, so uh, like we have met T, Kronos, and you that are part of the gold system lords. We're gonna see more of all three of them. Okay. Particularly nearty and you, I think more so than Kronos. Right. But then also we you know we're only three seasons in. We're gonna be more villains than just these right. guys.
1: But memorable villains is my question. Because yeah, you know memorable- how much I like a villain?
0: Yeah, so far I feel like Apophis is like the number one most memorable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for supporting characters, we've got at the SGC, Hammond and Frasier are the main supporting characters. And we are going to see more of Frasier as the seasons go on. Because I feel like at this point she's only Doctor. But we get to start seeing her a little bit more like with Cassandra and... Kind of interacting as friends with Sam and stuff like that. So, okay, a little bit more of her person we haven't talked about is Braytak. Love Braytak. He's a good time. Yeah, he's sweet. I mean, I love every episode that he's in, and, and same with Jacob too. Actually, every episode that Jacob's in, I'm like, oh hey, <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're the dads. They're yeah, like, hi. It's nice. The dads. Like, thanks, who for are like, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. The dads who are like. Good at getting stuff done and, like, making dad jokes. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the very first time we saw Braytech, he was kind of rough around the edges. But then he, like, kind of gets more into his character after that. Which is, like, understandable. Yeah. So in terms of, like, themes and story arcs. So we've got, like redemption themes with Sharae and Skara and we have rebirth with Apophis, Hathor and Linnea slash Kira so there's some like interesting like an interesting uniting of, of characters in that way like we've got the siblings who both have redemption arc but then like with the rebirth you have two old on one hand but then you have this other kind of random character who you who what you couldn't do? even remember? I could I had no
1: memory of this person. But <laughs> my question is, what do Shiree and Scara need to be redeemed for? Well, because they were both taken over by gold. But they were taken. Yeah, they but were they implanted were like... with bugs. They didn't do anything.
0: No, but it's like getting freed from. So it's a it's a liberation
1: arc, not a redemption arc. They didn't do anything wrong.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I guess they're saying like they technically did some but they were like possessed and not doing that willingly. Like, so yeah, you're right. Yeah,
1: the the
0: bug did it. Yeah. <laughs> the bug.
1: The snake. <laughs> the little worm. Yeah. So the 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 multivitamin did it. <laughs> oh god. You and your
0: multivitamin.
1: Take your vitamins, <laughs> kids.
0: <laughs> so of our allies that we see you know more than once which is your favorite so we've got asgard nox tolan and tokra
1: i'm mixing up the tolan and the tokra who are the like non-evil Gwol? tokra and then the tolan were the
0: the tolan is like Nareem. they have like the ion cannons but they don't oh right they're boring
1: it's the tokra i like
0: I do remember you really saying that before the not for it.
1: <laughs> no, interesting. It's the toker that I like.
0: They are the Nox it,
1: the Nox need like to the, wash their hair.
0: Oh my god. I feel like the Tolan kind of give the vibe of being a planet full of accountants. Yeah, but like who wants to hang out with a planet full of accountants? Not me. <laughs> Other accountants.
1: Oh, my condolences to those accountants. <laughs>
0: Because they just seem like the kind of people who, who don't know how to dance. So maybe Drax would like them. Aww. <laughs> the crossover we didn't know we needed. Drax uh, making friends with the Tolan. <laughs> Although the Tolan don't like weapons and he loves weapons. So I don't know about that. He wouldn't get along. <laughs> he would respect them though. For them not dancing. That's true. But no, I like the Tok'ra.
1: Okay. I think the Nox are funny. I just can't look at them for too long.
0: (laughs) There was a con recently and some people dressed up as the Nox. It was was cute. Did they just like
1: like, not wash their hair for a couple weeks?
0: They like stuck a bunch of leaves and stuff in their hair, yeah. That's so gross. (laughs) No, it was cute. No, it's gross. (laughs) Oh my god so judgy,
1: icky. Like I look at, like I you can't see it right now if you're listening, but I keep scratching my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, slurs thinking slurs about their hair and like getting yeah, itchy.
1: and my head's getting itchy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well let's move on.
1: But yes, I like the I like the Tokra. I think they're fun.
0: And you like the Asgard too? I mean, you've only met four
1: so far. Yeah, they're like they didn't leave as much of an impression
0: yeah we'll get a little bit more time with them going forward so what do you think about the various elements of earth politics i keep
1: waiting i've, I've talked about this before but i keep waiting to cross the september 11th threshold to see how this changes
0: right yeah because- honestly i don't think it's going to change that much but i could be wrong I think inter- like I'm just
1: very interested to see how it will because sometimes they'll say stuff and I'll be like oh my god like US foreign policy but then I'm like oh this is like the late 90s so which I guess means the foreign policy hasn't changed all that much but like what was the thing about like no we just want your cannon, we're not going to use it and they're like we don't trust you
0: yeah
1: so I do think that the show as a whole is very self-aware in that yeah. respect yeah but that like I'm I feel like with the local politics, like the planet like the Earth politics, I'm like observing it at like a macro level. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: we, we haven't really gotten a lot of content on it yet. Like we've had Senator Kinsey come and kind of just display that basically certain people in the US government are keeping an eye on the SGC and you know what they're spending money on and things like that we haven't necessarily seen a lot of like implications of that yet. Right. And then we've got like rogue NID members who, you know, have tried to establish base off world and steal artifacts and this kind of thing. And so we are going to see more like rogue government, you know, activity kind of like that going forward still, but Mm -hmm. we still haven't seen a lot of it yet. Just kind of like hinting, mostly just hinting that there will be stuff. Oh, no, I'd be interested to see that when it does happen. Yeah, I was wondering if you thought that the Earth politics was interesting or kind of slows down the progress of a sci-fi show.
1: I think it's interesting. I think it, it helps change the pace a little bit. Okay. I think it was just sci-fi. I would feel the lack of earth politics without like realizing what it was I was missing. Do you know what I right. mean?
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things that, you know, like they're keeping the Stargate a secret for as long as possible, but with as many people that in the government who start to learn about it, it's like, eventually this information is going to get out <laughs> and it's like, yeah, how long can they realistically keep things quiet? So yeah, I think if they were able to keep it a secret for a really long time and not have government oversight, that that would be really suspicious. So is there anything in particular that you want to see going forward that we haven't already talked about? Like particular character developments or story arcs?
1: I'd be interested to see Daniel and Sam develop a friendship. Um, Yeah. I would be interested for Sam to kind of blossom on her own and become kind of distinctive on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, without kind of pulling bits from the guy's characters. I would love some kissing. <laughs> like long term multi episode arc kissing. Okay. Not like the whole time. Just like not a one and done romance right. of the week. Yep. Sam Jack. Preferably. Yeah. Jam. Yep. Hashtag no jam. Hashtag jam. I want <laughs> it. I need it. I'm so close to Googling it.
0: <laughs> don't do it. Don't ruin it. You just you just have to trust. Fine. <laughs> Any other final thoughts on these three seasons you want to talk about? No. I
1: think we covered it all.
0: Yeah, I think we did too. Okay, so next week we're gonna be taking a quick break from SG one to talk about episodes seventeen through twenty of Stargate Infinity. Please let me know if you need help finding it online. And then in two weeks, we'll be back with SG1 to discuss the season three finale and season four opener arc, Nemesis and Small Victories. So that's it for today. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would love for you to throw us a five star wherever you listen. And if you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast, Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormful Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how are you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else. As a network, we are on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are The Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are The Geeky Waffle on YouTube. We're at thegeekywaffle.com. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.